Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Stream with Tim Skinner. I'm just kidding. It's Justin McCurdy today. Justin is in the hot seat. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you will know that Justin has been on the show before. Uh, he works with Tim at Hightower Great Lakes, and I'm so excited to have Justin on the show today. Justin, how are you? I'm well. And I'm, I'm, I'm way more excited than you are, but that's okay. <laughs> I know that you've come here with a great topic. Um, Tim has, I think he's on vacation in Maui or I'm, I'm kidding. He's working, right? I'm assuming. Yes. He's uh, down in Florida and uh, escaping all the snow in Indiana this week. Oh man. See, I'm, I, I was in Florida last week. It was fantastic. And now I'm back in the frozen tundra, but you guys are getting dumped on with snow. And so you're doing this remote, man. This is fantastic. You're at your house. It couldn't get much more comfortable than that, right? Can't exactly. <laughs> All right, Justin, I'm, I'm really excited about your topic today. Why don't you give the uh, listeners a kind of a preview of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, so we're going to be talking about a topic near and dear to my heart. Um, preparing for parenthood. So for those out there that uh, have not heard the news, my wife and I had triplets back in September. So as of right now recording, they are five months old. So we're going to talk today. I'm sorry. Did you say triplets? Yes. I knew you were expecting, dude, because you told me that last time we got together. I don't think you ever told me it was going to be triplets. Yes. So we have two boys and one girl. Congratulations, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I, I had no idea it was triplets until you just said that out loud. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I interrupted you. So you have triplets. You're not sleeping. What's going on? What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about preparing for parenthood. Okay. Most people will probably be preparing for one at a time, but we had uh, three to prepare for at once. So, oh my gosh, man, that's, that's fantastic. Okay. This is huge now. I mean, this is, uh, this is amazing. So where do we start? How do you even prepare. I mean, we had to prepare one at a time, my wife and I, and that was a whole lot easier than three, but I think everybody has to go through it at some point, whether it's one, two, three, five, you know, seven, I don't, I don't even know what the word for that would be, but yeah. <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. So the, the preparation really starts when you either are planning to become pregnant or find out that you are pregnant mm-hmm. um, and really start that journey towards the birth and Um, I'm going to start on the employer benefit side. And really the first couple of things you're going to want to take a look at is your healthcare and understand what your healthcare plan looks like, what it covers, what Mm -hmm. it doesn't cover, what your deductibles, co-pays, out-of-pocket maximums are, et cetera, because you're going to end up going to the doctor many times. You're going to have the birth likely at a hospital or other facility that's going to incur charges. Um, So you're going to be facing some expenses and you want to Make sure you understand what those are, and then a lot of times spouses will both have options for healthcare through their work, and so you can compare the plans, compare costs, coverage of doctors, pediatricians, etc., to really choose what's going to be best for you and your family um, based off those options that you do have. So you've got high deductible plans, you've got PPO plans, so there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of options there, and the importance is to 
dig into the details and understand so you can make an educated decision on what's going to be most cost effective and beneficial for your family there. Another thing on the employer benefit side you're going to want to look into is short-term disability. So for many women, their company's short-term disability policy may cover replacing part of their pay when they are off on leave taking care of their newborn. Mm -hmm. So that's an important aspect to consider that's easy to overlook and not understand, well, I have this short-term disability, I don't think I'm going to be disabled, but pregnancy is often one of the um, conditions that is covered for women under the policy, so it's an important added benefit there. And then, of course, the the third thing on the employer benefit side is is understanding what your leave policy is. So there's headlines all over the place with companies doing unlimited PTO, lots of parental leave and stuff, and so it's important to just understand and to be able to plan for what you're going to be walking into, whether wife has 12 weeks of paid leave, husband may only have four, six, or eight. It's really up to your company and what they have established. So you want to be able to plan for that. For example, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law recently had their second child. And so she's taking all of her leave right now and he's saving some of his for when she goes back to work to help ease that transition. Mm. So you have some flexibility and you're going to want to work with your employer, talk to your employer to understand what flexibility you do or do not have. Some may say, you've got four weeks paid, you have to take it all at once. Others may have a little bit more flexibility. So it's important just to understand so you can plan and be prepared for what your options are going to be down the road when the baby does arrive. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, I want to clarify something. Uh, the leave policy versus the short-term disability. We had a friend of ours who, when she was pregnant, in fact, it happened with her last two pregnancies, she had to stay in bed for like the last three months of her pregnancy. I mean, that was the deal. Would that be under short-term disability, do you think? It depends on the specific policy details. And, mm -hmm. you know, some employers may be more generous and not count that towards your leave, or they may count that as part of your leave time. Um, so, hmm. yeah, that's a definite thing where you need to dig into the details and just understand so that early on is when you have the time to look into that. And while you're just in the early stages of pregnancy, you have the ability to research all that. So when you get to seven, eight, nine months where some of those bed rest or early births and such mm -hmm. become possibilities, you've already understood, done the research, and you don't have to add extra stress to that already stressful time then of trying to figure out what's allowed, what's not allowed. And, you know, in my wife's case, around 30 weeks or so, they kind of told her, hey, you need to stop working, not strict bed rest. And so with her work, that's when her 12 weeks of leave did start. So mm. that was one thing we knew going into it was that whenever she stops working is when her leave starts. So that Got was definitely it. helpful for us from a planning perspective to know that she was only guaranteed the 12 weeks total. And then if she took six before, that meant she only had six after before having to decide, is she going back to work? Is she not going back to work? Got it. Yeah. I, I think that one, again, it, there's not many silver linings from this whole COVID situation, but I think one silver lining is that um, so many people are able to work remotely now that that may be an option for you know pregnant women that are in that situation where they're, they have to stay in bed, they're on bed rest. And before it was just like, no, you're there and you're not working. Uh, I think a lot of them, because like I said, my friend, they, she went crazy. I mean, not, not literally crazy. She was just like, it was driving her bananas because she couldn't <laughs> do anything, right? She's just there and husband had to go to work. And so literally she's just 
there and bored. <laughs> you know, no, no, don't don't get me wrong. She's doing a very important job. She's you know creating a baby, but <laughs> she was just bored out of her mind. So I think that that's a huge, huge benefit for you know women that are in this situation now. If they have the opportunity, they could do some work remotely and and stay working and not have to dip into any of that leave, which would be great. Um, but but who knows? Like you said, every plan's different, and having somebody look through it with you, I think, would be a, a to their advantage as well. Absolutely, that's something in our office we do on a personal basis: is look through and evaluate. I looked through and evaluated what health plan was going to ultimately end up being the lowest cost to my wife and I in this ordeal. Um, and so that's definitely something we're happy to walk people through evaluating those plans and those options that you do have. And if you find out you're pregnant towards the end of the year, you even have open enrollment that comes up usually in November, December, where you can make changes to your health plan. So that's mm. an extra bonus you have of being able to make changes, knowing that you're pregnant and going to have a child the following year. Um, so that's a you know, little bonus if you are in that situation where you can make those changes yeah. middle of pregnancy. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about some cash flow planning. I know that's one of the things on your list you're going to talk about. Obviously with having a baby, you're going to have some expenses. Um, yeah. it's, it's just inevitable that the, the biggest expense is, is going to relate to the healthcare costs and to the cost of the birth and all the doctor's appointments and such. Um, so, you know, it's planning for knowing what that expense is going to be. If your deductible is $5,000, like it was in our case, we knew that we were going to hit that deductible. So we were able to plan and set aside and save money for knowing that we were going to have a $5,000 bill once the kids were born. Really, from the healthcare side, knowing your health plan allows you to really know what your expected costs are going to be because you're at some point going to hit an out-of-pocket maximum, and that should be the maximum that you end up paying over the course of that year for healthcare, assuming you're using in-network providers, et cetera, and following all your insurance company's rules about any pre-authorizations and the whole nine yards there of making sure everything's all in, in line. So you can figure out and know that number and plan for that number and start setting aside over the course of the pregnancy for knowing that you're going to have these expenses to pay for along the way. And then from a healthcare perspective, once the children or child is born, most of their checkups and shots and everything is all covered. So you don't have to worry about the ongoing medical expense mm. related to the ever increasing appointments of two weeks, one month, two months. It's a lot of appointments, but a lot of those are typically covered by health plans. So that's not a concern. And then from a cash flow perspective, the other thing you have is ongoing child expenses. And this could be Childcare, if both spouses are going back to work, somebody's going to have to mm -hmm. watch the child. And so many people like myself and my wife are fortunate that the two days my wife works, my parents and her parents are able to come and watch our children those days. So we don't have a childcare expense at this time. Other people make the choice of both going back to work full time and then paying for daycare, in-home care. You have options there based off of your own desires and beliefs for where that childcare comes from, but you have those expenses that are going to be monthly, basically, new monthly expenses that you have. And I was talking to a client recently who is expecting their second child and they're planning for basically doubling their $1,500 a month daycare expense to $3,000 a month once they have the second child and go back to work. It's a significant expense that shouldn't be overlooked in the grand scheme of things, as well as, you know, you'll have to buy diapers, clothes, eventually food. So your monthly expenses are just going to go up 
as a result of having a child because you have more needs that need taken care of. So really the bigger one, though, to plan for is that child care expense. If you're going to have that to understand what that's going to look like and where does that fit into the grand scheme of affordability for you. And so a lot of people, before they have a child, will practice living on one salary so that they see what that could look like. If they have the ability to just live off of maybe mom's salary and dad stays home and watches the kid or live off of dad's salary and mom stays home and watches the kid and to see if that's feasible for them and doable or if both really do need to go back to work to support their lifestyles. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot to consider. You know, the money side of it alone, and I'm, I'm just, obviously I'm thinking about your situation, three times the daycare expenses, $4,500 a month where you're at? Like, <laughs> good Lord. I just can't imagine that. That's I'm, I'm really glad that I don't have small children at this point. <laughs> that That is a lot to consider. Yeah, before we jump on to the next one, you know, on the cash flow planning perspective, you know, you talk 4500 a month for daycare. That's where families kind of, and we help people evaluate this is, so say parent A or B is going to go back to work and say they're going to net maybe $2,000 a month daycare to mm -hmm. send the child to be taken care of during the day while that parent goes to work is maybe 1500 a month. So after that, you're maybe only ahead $500 a month and you have to decide, is it worth the stress and the hassle of working for an extra $500 a month. Mm -hmm. um, and my wife and I have friends who initially the wife did go back to work. And then over time, they decided that little bit of extra income for them wasn't worth the stress and the hassle of working. And so she decided to stay at home and that they would make things work. So mm -hmm. it's another consideration there. Yeah. And the stress and the hassle of taking the child to, to daycare and then picking the child up from daycare and the, there's so many things to consider. In, in our own personal experience, my wife was working when we found out she was pregnant. It was definitely a surprise to us. Um, and she had to quit her job right away because she was actually uh, building defibrillators <laughs> at the time, which she was soldering and everything because she had a, a computer electronics degree. But because of using solder, you can't use lead-based solder. Obviously, that's a bad thing to breathe in, especially when you're pregnant. Uh, so she had to quit her job right away, but she found a share nanny position. So she was able to basically, um, there was another woman who was a high-level executive, and she was a, a driver, right? She wanted to go back to work, uh, and she wanted to go back to work fairly quickly. So they were both pregnant at the same time, and, and my wife was able to be the nanny for that child while also having our child. And so that was a benefit for us, you know, because we didn't have to pay for childcare. My wife actually got paid to watch uh, both children. And so that was fun. So there are options out there for families that are in that situation. Um, so I had you're never saying I should that. convince my wife to start a daycare at home? <laughs> well, you already have a daycare at home, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Here, I think by the legal uh, standpoint, you're already maximum capacity, sir. <laughs> so I'm not sure about that, but you may be able to add a kid or two in there. Okay. Well, let's now go to uh, your next topic. Yeah, so the next thing you're going to want to consider when you're having a child is really taking a look at estate planning. And so estate planning is something that it's easy to put off. Um, my wife and I put this off once we got married and really having kids is what forced us, sir, you know, finally gave us the motivation to get it done. Mm -hmm. And we find with all sorts of people, it's a low end item to get done. And you don't want to think about what happens if I die and think about the thoughts of dying. But it's really important when you're married initially, as well as once you have children in the picture, to sit down with an attorney and go through and set up an estate plan. And the important piece you want to have done is you want to have a will. 
And what having a will executed does is you're going to be able to designate guardians that if something happens to both you and your spouse, who takes care of this child or children in my case. And so you want to make sure that you've set that in writing so that you're not leaving it up to the state and the state laws to dictate who would take custody and take guardianship of your child. So it's super important that you want to do that so that you have a choice. If you want, you know, your brother to be the guardian, if you want your sister, your mother, your friend, etc., cetera, you, you can name pretty much anybody, but it's your choice. It's you selecting and choosing and saying, if something catastrophic happens, I trust and I want this person to take care of my kids. And then you can even say, if they don't want to, or something has happened to them, here's number two on the list, mm -hmm. here's number three on the list. And so you can leave some instructions to make sure that your children are going to be taken care of and you know who they're going to be taken care of by down the road, you know, if something happens to you. So it's important just to make sure that you get a will done to at least execute and leave those designations so that your children aren't left to the state or for the state to decide who's the next capable relative to take care of your children. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I are exactly on the same page with that scenario because my wife and I never thought of it until, until we got pregnant and was like, Oh boy, now we have to do some sort of planning um, around that because what happens if, and I know a big part of our decision, uh, not only about guardianship and, and who would be taking care of the children, was insurance to go with that. So how do you cover that? Yeah. So two final points on the estate plan portion is number one, you're not setting things in stone. So if you set something now and a couple of years down the road, you decide mm -hmm. you want to change who that's going to be pretty simple change to do. You can do that. You can change it at any time. So you're not setting decisions for life here. And then the other aspect is like my wife and I did is we chose that that was something we could start the process on and pretty much get most of the work on that done before the babies even arrived. And so you basically would just, instead of listing them by name, you can just list children, my three children, et cetera. And so lawyers work through the, the details on how to list things, but you mm -hmm. can get that knocked out of the way before the child is actually around. And so that's another thing. If you want to take off stress of when the baby's actually arrived and trying to do that, then you can knock that out in the months preceding. That's a good point. So yeah, with the estate plan, it is life insurance. And so our thought on life insurance and my view on life insurance is that most people will end up with a temporary need for life insurance. And there's lots of calculations, lots of different thoughts and theories on what's the need for life insurance, whether it's temporary life insurance or permanent life insurance. But the, the thought process at it is to determine what life insurance need you have, you have to think about. So if I died today, what expenses do I want to cover? Things do I want to pay off? As well as funds do I want to leave for my children and wife to be able to live off of? So commonly, mortgage is one of the big things that people want to make sure that there's life insurance mm -hmm. to cover the mortgage so that their spouse doesn't have to worry about, oh no, I can't afford this mortgage payment. I have to sell the house and move when they're going through the grieving process. Um, yeah. So mortgage is a common one. Another big one is funding education expenses. So as a gift to the children is to leave money from a life insurance policy for them to be able to go to college. And so that's the second big one. And then the third is determining what you want to leave for your spouse or kind of what is needed to allow them to continue their lifestyle. So 
An example is um, have been working with a client who is a consultant and he's the primary breadwinner for the family. And so he's making significant income. His wife stays at home with their three daughters. And we just helped finish, um, you know, we're wrapping up implementing life insurance policies that cover in the case of if he passes away, funding his kid's education, providing so that she doesn't have to work down the road, she can continue to care for the children, as well as paying off their mortgage. So it's real practical, you know, from the life insurance side. We're not saying go out there and get tons of insurance or you need lots of insurance, but there there is a, a need and a, a time frame for when you need that. And really over time, that need for life insurance does decrease because over time you think that mortgage balance gets paid down, savings for education likely accumulate. So the need goes down over time from that perspective too. So your initial need is going to be greater and then over time it will go down. And typically the way we insure against that is with term insurance, which is temporary. Term insurance allows you generally to get more coverage at a lower rate because you're saying, I want to insure myself for, let's say example, 20 years, and I want a million dollar death benefit, which if I die in those 20 years, the death benefit is paid. If I outlive the 20 years, nothing gets paid. I'm no longer covered. So that's kind of the time frame and temporariness of term mm-hmm. insurance. And so this is one area, admittedly, that my wife and I still need to work on and finish up determining what our need is from a need perspective and then go through the un- insurance underwriting process to uh, get some coverage. Well, I'm really glad you said that last sentence because there is so much to consider. And just a quick personal example, when we went through this process, we had to consider all sorts of factors. Now, obviously, you, yours are just wee little babies. And if, you know, so what we had to consider was if I were to pass away, for instance, how much would be enough to A, purchase the home outright so there was no mortgage, mm-hmm. then also the the fact that if I'm gone, my wife would not be able to work full time because she would want to be able to take care of the kids. And of course, we have to consider their mental health in that as well. I'm assuming and kind of hoping that if I died, they'd be sad, right? <laughs> so they would, <laughs> would want, <laughs> yeah, right. So they would want, and they would most likely cling to mom more, right? Because they're going through mm-hmm. a traumatic event. So we didn't want my wife to have to work. And so we had to, to consider that. So all bills being paid off a monthly income so that she could stay at home because they weren't at school at that point. Cause they're little, just like yours are. And we had to consider mm-hmm. that. But again, in six to seven years, when they're at school full time, then my wife would most likely want to work. She'd want to be active in the school when she could, but she'd also want to work because that's just the person that she is. So we had to consider, okay, a stop gap between this time and this time, enough money in the, the insurance policy to where it could be invested or whatever and take out a monthly quote unquote salary that would replace my salary, but give her the lifestyle she wanted. Uh, and then eventually she would be able to work. And then hopefully that would lessen the amount taking out of the investments. So then therefore some of it could be diverted for education for the kids for later. I mean, there's all sorts of moving parts to that and just those little things. And you have to, it's not fun to think about death, but it's so not vitally important. I don't like to think about it as thinking about death. You're really thinking about life after someone's death. You're thinking about what Absolutely. life you want to provide. So I, I think it's great that you guys are taking a lot of time to really, really consider that um, because, again, so many moving parts. Yeah, definitely. And like you alluded to, it seems simple. Oh, pay off the mortgage, You know, pay off some other debt maybe. But it really starts to get complex when you start looking at 
individual situations and scenarios. And so that's why life insurance is not a quick one and done, you know, hey, everybody needs a million dollars. It's not a a blanket, Mm -hmm. simple implementation. It really takes a meeting or two, at least talking through what does that look like in both scenarios of either spouse passing and then then crunching the numbers and making assumptions about inflation and growth rates, et cetera, to come up with a a dollar amount to insure. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on towards a little bit more of a, a brighter side of the topic <laughs> uh, <laughs> and more of the fun side of having children is looking towards them getting an education and then ultimately for families with wealth to continue transferring wealth down the chain and down to the next generation. And so from an educational perspective, most states have what's called the Section 529 plan, and it functions in a in a way where you may get state tax benefits for investing in it when you do contribute to it. And then money you put into a 529 typically grows tax deferred, so you don't have any taxes along the way. And then as long as you take it out for qualified education expenses, which there's a bunch of definitions, rules, and stuff around that, we'll keep that out of this for today. Um, as long as you take it out for those qualified expenses, it's tax-free. So there are a lot of advantages to saving in a 529 for college, but more and more we're having conversations with clients with kind of an uncertainty on what does the college landscape look like in the future? What does college cost in the future? And so one example is we have a client who's not using a 529 currently. They're using two other types of accounts. So they're using a uniform transfer to minor account which is basically Mm. them gifting money and it's being invested in the child's name. They control it until the child reaches the age of majority. And so when the child reaches the age of majority at 18 or 21, that lump sum of money that's been invested basically gets turned over to the child. And the client's thinking here is, well, if they want to start a business, if they want to go to college, they have flexibility there because it's not within the 529 education focused account. Mm -hmm. And so we we see that. And then that client's also just saving in their own after-tax investment account for having some funds that if the child does go to college, they've got some savings too that they can use and not have the child have to drain everything that they saved and put in the child's name. So that's an increasingly complex conversation as we talk to clients about the future of college. And I, I would say most people are saving and planning on some sort of college. And that's kind of what we're we're recommending and where we end up with most people, but it also, there's this caveat of, well, will they go to college? Will they need to go to college? And some of that is very hard, you know, to establish. Like I think about my five month olds, I have no clue what their level of intelligence and desire for college, Mm -hmm. ability to go to college, what that's going to look like. And then what does college look like as a whole 18 years from now? So we have no idea. So there's flexibility there too, and that's where talking with our team and and working with us based off of what your desires and your thoughts are about college, we can help implement a plan that in some form saves money for college or trade school or for starting a business and kind of run on a parallel path of this money could be used for education or leave flexibility that it could be used for something else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in, in talking to many of your team members, I know that one of the 
driving points of what you guys do is you're you're an accountability partner and a sounding board mm-hmm. and i think that that's one of the most important roles that you guys play and so I'm, I'm hoping that people found tremendous value in this podcast which i know they will if they listened uh, but also i'm hoping it sparks some questions and so if they do have questions or they do have things that they're like you know what i, I probably do need to look at this um, and and dive into this a little bit further what's the best way to get a hold of you guys yeah certainly so I do hope as well that this sparks questions, sparks thoughts in your mind about planning you can do, need to do. And at a high level, even if you've already had children, have two, three young children, the things we've talked about today still apply. And if you haven't done an estate plan, that's still an important thing to get done. It's it's not all focused around just the first child, but this is a continual thought process as you have more children and as your children grow up to continue reviewing and evaluating these things. And so our office is always happy to help be a sounding board and talk through different options with you. And so I can be reached at jmccurdy at hightoweradvisors.com or at 219-531-4941. Fantastic. Justin, thank you so much for all the information today. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Hey, you bet. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wellstream podcast with Justin McCurdy. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when the team comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC.